Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. That's a good word. How's everybody doing today? Good. Who's grateful that the Holy Spirit is in this place right now? Starting a new series uh, called Interruptible. Interruptible. How interruptible are you? How interruptible is your heart? When I was 14 years old, I, I grew up in Canada and uh, grew up in a big city, but uh, for a period of time between 12 and 15, we lived in the middle of nowhere, uh, a town called Rocky Mountain House. Now, if you know, if, if they name your town after a house, you know it's a small town. And we lived like 20 minutes in the summer driving time, probably 30 or 40 minutes longer if my mom went in the ditch. Sorry, mom. In the winter, there's icy roads, man. We don't have plows back there. We lived that, you know, outside of the town, outside of the house. So it was a long ways. And we were about two and a half hours between these two major cities, Calgary, where I grew up in the south, and Edmonton in the north. And so this one Friday night, I'm 14 years old, and I, was, I had no plans for, for Saturday, except the plans that I had made in my head. I can't even remember what they were at the moment. I was in 4-H, though, and doing this photography class, so perhaps uh, I had taken these amazing pictures of squirrels. I'll show you sometime. These are like a photographer's dream. This is like National Geographic stuff in my, in my age as a photographer. And so perhaps my, my plan was to take some more squirrel pictures or hunt down an elusive beaver or something like this in the middle of nowhere. But whatever it was, I had these plans. And I went to sleep Friday night thinking this is what I'm going to do Saturday. And early the next morning, my mom wakes me up and she's like, Chris, guess what? Your friends and you are going to West Edmonton Mall. Which, okay, West Edmonton Mall, it's still the largest mall in North America, okay? It used to be, at this time, the largest mall in the world. And it has, uh, uh, my kids can tell you, they were there last year, a couple years ago. It has, yeah, Benny's clapping, one clap. It has this massive water park inside of it. It's, it has this roller coaster and amusement park inside of it. It has a pirate ship. It has submarines, which are probably the same submarines they use for the Canadian Navy. I, I don't know, but it had all this stuff, and I had never been there. So when my mom said, hey, Chris, guess what? You're going to West Edmonton Mall with your friends. I mean, that's a 14-year-old's dream, right? Right? Guess what my response was? I got angry. I'm like, I, 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 I'm baffled to this day. I got angry because my squirrel picture taking plans were being interrupted over West Edmonton Mall. Never been there. Simply because they weren't my plans, I got upset. I couldn't see beyond what my heart, my selfish little heart, wanted to do. My heart was not interruptible. My own little plans dominated my heart. And instead of allowing grace to break in and allow for much bigger and grander plans, 
my heart was stuck on my own selfish desires. Now, I did end up going to West Edmonton Mall that day and I had an absolute blast. But I will never forget my immediate response. And it served me well to this day when I'm interrupted. Why don't we pray before we get going? God, if there's one thing that we know we're gonna, you're going to do in our lives, it's to interrupt our plans. So God, in this moment, in these next few minutes, I just pray that we would take our hearts and set them before you. And say, God, whatever you want to do in our heart, whatever you want to interrupt, whatever you have been interrupting in our lives that we haven't been noticing, we turn to you now and we notice. And we pray what David prayed in Psalm 27. He says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. God, come and talk with us this morning. We set our hearts before you so you can speak into them. Not 90% of them, but all of it. 100%, the whole heart. That's what you're after. Every single one of us needs to take steps this morning to be more interruptible, to allow our hearts to soften in so many different areas. God, you're doing a thousand different things. May we just recognize a few of them in our lives this morning. So we give this moment to you, Holy Spirit, come in and sweep this place. Come and speak to our hearts. Change us. Make us different people than when we walked in. Because if that doesn't happen, there's no purpose to gathering here at all. We want to carry your presence with us from this place. And all God's people said, amen. Let it be so. My message today, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, um, it's entitled, Take Off Your Coat. Take Off Your Coat. And I'm going to tell you uh, two stories today, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. And I believe that you're going to see yourself in these stories because who agrees with me that the Word of God is living and active? It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It cuts between what is eternal and what is not, your spirit and your soul. And that's what we need today to hear a word from God. Amen. All right, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 37. I'm going to paraphrase this story, but you can follow along, um, and, and maybe the Holy Spirit will speak some things to you that I miss or leave out. You never know. We're going to be talking about a guy named Joseph. And if you've never been in church much before, you probably still know this story about Joseph and his coat of many colors. Well, Joseph's great-grandfather was Abraham. Abraham... Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons. Jacob's name was later changed to Israel, and his 12 sons became the tribes of Israel. Joseph was one of those sons. He actually had a double portion, two of his sons. Joseph was not a tribe, right? Agree with me? Two of his sons, though, became tribes, so he had a double portion. That's pretty awesome and interesting, and I believe that's because of his faithfulness to God. And the Bible says in, in Genesis 37 that Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. And there's a few reasons for this. It was because Jacob was from his favorite wife, Rachel, and also because, the Bible says, because he was born to him when he was old. And Joseph was 17 years old at this time. 17-year-old kid, just, just picture, maybe some of you are 17 in this place today, or you have a 17-year-old. Joseph was 17 when we find him in this story. 
And his brothers, they, they, you know, they were much older. They ranged probably from maybe 40-ish on down to Joseph, and then Benjamin was younger than Joseph. So there's a wide range of ages here. And the Bible says that when his brothers saw how much their father Jacob loved Joseph, they hated their brother so much that they would not speak to him in a friendly manner. That's some family drama going on right there. And to make matters worse for the brothers, God gave Joseph these dreams. Now, as a 17-year-old, you know, you're maturing, you're growing, but you may not have a lot of tact and wisdom yet. And Joseph just came right out and told these dreams to his entire family, which made the hatred and the jealousy even worse. And in his first dream, Joseph said, guys, we were all in this field and we're tying up our bundles of grain and my bundle was in the center and yours was all around it and your bundles, my, mine stood up straight and tall and your bundles, they all bowed to me. Isn't that cool? <laughs> and then he had another dream. He said, he said guys, the whole family said, well, I can, just, I can just imagine the family sitting there at the dinner table. And he said, I had this other dream where I saw the sun and the moon and 11 stars. They were all bowing down to me. Isn't that amazing? To which his father, Jacob, who loved him the most, said, Joseph, that's, uh, he scolded him. What kind of dream is that, Jacob said? Do you really think that your mother and brothers and I are all going to come and bow down to you? And the Bible said that Jacob was wrestling with this dream in his heart. He had the tension. And so Joseph's brothers were so jealous of him, and they hated him even more because of his dreams. You know, we need to guard jealousy in our lives so much, don't we? The smallest seeds of bitterness and anger and hate and competition can turn deadly. And one day Jacob said to Joseph, I want you to go to Shechem where your brothers are. They're taking care of the flocks there. And so J Joseph packs up and he goes towards Shechem. And remember, he's wearing his long, colorful coat that his dad had given him. His dad had made this crazy, elaborate robe, and it was Jake, Joseph's identity. He was wearing this thing everywhere. So the Bible says when his brothers saw him in the distance, how did they know it was him in the distance? Because he's got the flashy coat coming towards him. And when they saw him in the distance, their hatred in their hearts plotted against him, Joseph, and decided they decided together to kill Joseph. I mean, that's some serious jealousy and hatred. And they said to one another, here comes that dreamer. Let's kill him. Let's see what becomes of his dreams now. And to make a long story short, they they, Reuben kind of saves the, the day for Joseph, and they threw him in a pit. They stripped his coat off of him, the Bible says. They ripped this fancy coat that he was wearing and threw him into a pit. And then, instead of killing him, they saw some traders passing by, and they sold their 17-year-old brother as a slave to these traders. And they killed a goat... They put the goat's blood on Joseph's robe. And they took it back to their father and said, hey, isn't this the special coat you made for Joseph? It's all ripped and it's got blood on it. We're so sorry, a, a wild animal must have killed him. Can you imagine the jealousy and hatred to go to such lengths for that deception? Guard your heart, for out of it is the wellsprings of life. 
And Jacob, of course, was devastated, completely crushed. His, you know, Joseph was on his way to Egypt as a slave, but, but Jacob didn't know this. He thought his, his favorite son was dead. See, for Joseph, his father gave him a coat, but God gave him a dream. And the coat got in the way of the dream. The coat had to come off. And I believe today, I know today, that God's given every single person that's hearing my voice a dream. You might not remember it right now. You might not know what it is right now. But I'm telling you right now, you're thinking too small. And your coat, whatever it may be, is getting in the way of God's dream for you. So this morning, I want to ask you a question. What is your coat? What is that thing that's keeping you from the dream that God has for you? It, it, it won't just appear overnight. For Joseph, it took decades for the dream to happen. God waits a long time to move suddenly. Amen? Your coat might be a good thing. It might look like a good thing. Something your father or your mother has spoken over you. But it's keeping you from your full potential in Jesus. And your coat needs to come off. And sometimes, like Joseph, our enemy rips our coat off, and we find ourselves in a pit, in pain, as a servant in Potiphar's house, wrongly accused in prison in Egypt. And you know, Joseph could have easily mourned the loss of his coat, the loss of his identity for the rest of his life. And I bet he struggled with that. He was human just like you and me. He could have packed it up. He could have gave up. He could have lived a life of complacency and just thought, man, those were the days. Those were the days when I was the favorite, when I was strutting around town in my fancy coat, when my dad poured his love onto me. Those were the days. I was going to be something, and then I lost everything. But thank God that his heart was interruptible. I want this to sink in deep. We all need to understand this. See, it sounds easy telling the flannel graph version of the story. But this is a bloody and brutal and evil story. And a real story of a 17-year-old boy. A favorite son, his coat ripped off of his shoulders by his own blood. Thrown into a pit and sold as a slave. Picture your children as Joseph. And I know there's a lot of pain in this room because there's a lot of people in this room. See, God never promised us a pain-free life, right? But he did promise that he's the overcomer of our pain. And it's the moments that you and I are lying face down at the bottom of the pit because of hatred and jealousy, bitterness and anger, something that somebody else did to you. It's in those moments that are the defining moments of our life. So you have a real enemy. You have an enemy that's out to get you, and he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But you also have a father, and he came to bring you life. Not just oxygen, not just a life of survival, but an abundant life, John 10.10 10 says. See, this life is not just about survival. This night, life is not just about mediocrity. It's just not about waiting until Jesus comes back and holding up in our special little hole. See, what we do in this life directly impacts eternity. 
and you don't have a moment to lose. You may not have another breath and breaths from now. And as the church, you and I, we've got to get a sense of urgency back. Hello? The enemy of our souls loves nothing more than to see Christians sitting back, playing it safe, living their comfortable, mediocre lives. My friends, that's slavery. That's a slave's mentality. And God says, I will spew that kind of thinking out of my mouth. You are not a slave. You are a warrior. And if you've never experienced the fury of hell coming against you, then maybe you need to check your heart because you're living such a complacent, comfortable life and the devil doesn't even need to mess with you because you're not taking any ground for the kingdom of God. I'm preaching to myself. I hope you know that. I'm not perfect. Far from it. But every night I pray protection around my family, around my wife and my son and my daughter. But do you know what else I pray every night? And I declare this every day, that they would become dangerous against the kingdom of darkness. See, you were not created to hide in a bunker until Jesus comes back. You were created to break down the very gates of hell. You are in a war a war for your very soul. And it's the moment that was meant to harm you. It's the moment of death when something was stolen from you, when what you thought would be is crushed and destroyed. And it's in those moments when the devil thinks that he's won. It's in those moments that God begins the comeback. If your heart is interruptible. Is your heart interruptible? See, if it is, then you can say, like Joseph said, forget the coat. Say goodbye to the coat. And I don't know what your coat is here today, but the Holy Spirit will reveal that to you. Maybe you've got a whole stack of coats on that need to come off. But I want to ask you, what needs to be ripped off of your shoulders today to expose your heart? See, it's just a coat. It's not the dream. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's just a coat. Turn to your other neighbor and say, it's not, it's just a coat, it's not the dream. You got to hang on to the dream. You see, what's interesting about Joseph is, he never remembered his dream until years later when he's standing renamed as an Egyptian general, an Egyptian prince, And his brothers come in when there's a famine in the land, and they bow to him. And the Bible says in that moment, Joseph remembered the dream. Because Joseph was just obedient and faithful. And the dream that God had for him followed him. And see, so many of us are hanging on to a coat that's been ripped off when God's saying, Whoa, I need that to be ripped off to expose your heart. Because greater for you than just that coat. I need you to be interruptible because I'm about to do something. Watch this. I'm about to open the windows of heaven of blessing into your brokenness. Don't miss it because of a coat. Don't miss everything because of a stinking coat. That coat is keeping your heart, your heart from being exposed and vulnerable to your father. That coat is keeping you from freedom. That coat is keeping you from the presence of God. You're hanging on to a worthless coat. 
And that coat is driving you to despair. But I've got good news for you. God says, I'm going to give you a garment of praise for that coat of despair. So stop holding on to the past. Stop holding on to your pain in the present. And declare this, that he is going to do a new thing in your life. You know where he does the new thing? In the desert. He puts streams where they shouldn't be, in the desert, in the broken and crushed place. But your heart has to be interruptible. Listen to me, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind, no human mind has conceived what God has in store for them. The dreams he has for your life, for those that love him, for those whose hearts are interruptible. Are you going to just hang on to that coat? My friends, it's time to take off the coat, rip off the coat, live for the dream and not the coat. So how about a perspective shift? How about instead of holding on to the past, instead of gripping on to your coat of pain, how about just letting the devil rip it right off of you? How about this? You tell the devil, devil, thanks for taking my coat. That coat's not my identity that coat's not my inheritance. I want to tell you, devil, what my inheritance is. Psalm 16, 5 and 6. The Lord is my inheritance and my portion. He's my cup. He's the one that determines my destiny. And his boundary lines mark out pleasant places for me. Indeed, my inheritance is something beautiful. And you better say it till you believe it. Because the devil knows it's true. He just lost at his own game. My inheritance is something beautiful. Let's fast forward 1,700 years approximately to a different story, to the time of Jesus. It's Palm Sunday. We just celebrated this a couple weeks ago. Remember this story? Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on a colt. And I want to read this story to you from Matthew 21. Then the disciples went and, and, and did as Jesus had instructed him, and they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their coats on them. And Jesus sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats on the road as they would before a king, while others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed him were shouting in praise and adoration. Hosanna to the son of David, the Messiah, blessed and praised and glorified is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, which means save us in the highest heaven. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, it says all the city was trembling with excitement, saying, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. The disciples took off their coats and they laid them on the donkey, the colt, and Jesus sat on them. And then watch this, most of the crowd took off their coats and spread them on the road as they would before a king to blanket the road. And they were shouting with praise, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and the entire city was trembling with excitement. This reminds me of Acts 1, when the entire city was trembling with excitement. See, Jesus has just come riding into town. 
And they were thinking, here we go. Our new king has arrived, so we're taking off our coats in honor. We're shouting it. It's gonna t- this is the greatest day in the history of Israel. The king has come. This is going to take over as king and drive those Romans out. That's what they were all thinking. That's what you would have been thinking if you would have laid your coat down in that moment. It was a great day, so they all took their coats off. And they laid them on the pathway before Jesus, the new king, riding into town. It was Palm Sunday, but they had no idea that Friday was coming. They had no clue that the king had ridden into town not to take a crown of gold, but instead to take a bloody crown of thorns. How many times do you and I worship like this? We see Jesus coming in. And our own selfish ambition gets in the way of something even bigger. See, it's easy to worship when we see Jesus riding in triumphantly into town. Yes, Jesus, thank you what you're, for what you're coming to do. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. I, I know what you're going to do. So we're taking off our coats. We're laying them at your feet. And then he doesn't do what you think he's going to do. And five days later, the king that you were cheering for is hanging on a cross, naked and bloody and brutalized, gasping for breath. One day you're cheering for him, and the next day you're shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. See, it's easy to take your coat off on what appears to be a good day. Listen to me carefully. You and I take off our coats many times for all the wrong reasons. We see Jesus coming and we think we know what he's going to do. And we worship him and we lay our coats at his feet and then he disappoints us. What we don't realize is that the disappointment is actually our destiny. We have no idea that the interruption is actually our inheritance. We don't understand that the interruption produces our identity. And we take our coats off for all the wrong reasons because we're so short-sighted. But I've got really good news for you. In spite of our short-sightedness, because of the grace of God, we've just declared something prophetic. And we didn't even know it. We shouted and cheered on Palm Sunday. We took our coats off. We laid them on the road for the feet of Jesus. It's significant, and we didn't even realize it. It's prophetic, and we didn't even know it. We had to take our coat off because we were getting ready for our new coat. Five days later, as Jesus hung, gasping for his last breath on that cross, there was a moment that changed everything. In the temple, in the Holy of Holies, where his presence was kept, there was a coat. There was a curtain. There was a barrier between the man and the presence of God. And this was no simple curtain. This coat was four inches thick. This veil was 60 feet wide, 30, or 60 feet high and 30 feet wide. It's a huge coat. And in that moment when Jesus released his spirit on the cross, when he cried out, it is finished. In that moment, that coat, that veil was torn from the top to the bottom. That coat was no longer needed. 
The veil that blocked the presence of God from the people of God, it was ripped right off, just like you did with your coats five days earlier. And you ripped down the coat that covered his presence, and he exposed his heart, and you can now become sons and daughters with no barrier between you. And now you and I can be clothed in righteousness because of him. See, the temple... The cathedrals, the Notre Dames of this world became just buildings. And the Spirit of God shifted from being housed in a place to being housed in a people. That will change everything. See, on Palm Sunday, we were thinking too small. When you saw Jesus, all you saw was an end to the Roman occupation. And Jesus was riding into town for the beginning of an eternal occupation. But at least you took your coat off. Thank God for the interruption. The interruption reveals your inheritance. Why don't you thank him right now in your life? Whatever's interrupting your life, whatever he's doing, just thank him for it. The interruption is revealing your inheritance in him. And your inheritance is his righteousness. You can now wear the righteousness of Jesus. That's the right standing that he has before the Father. You inherit his righteousness. You are now a son. You are now a daughter of the Most High God. You are clothed in righteousness. And now you can wear the right standing of Jesus. You don't need your coat. Stop living for this small moment of time. There's this self-important life because it's not about you. It's never been about you. It will never be about you. It's all and only ever been about him. So take off your coat and live interruptible lives. I don't know what your coat is this morning, but I believe that the Holy Spirit is revealing it to you. And whatever it is, in the power of the Holy Spirit and his name, you can rip it off today. Man, maybe the devil's already ripped it off. Now you can shift your perspective. It's the only time you can thank the devil. What he means for evil, God means for good. It's time to pick up your inheritance, my friends. Isaiah 61.10 says this, I will find joy in the Lord. I will delight in my God. He has dressed me in the clothes of salvation. He has wrapped me in the robe of righteousness. Did you see that? I will find joy. I will delight. It's your choice. You have to will it. Jesus never forces anything on us. That's what true love is. We have to choose it. He loved us first. We choose him back. Is your life interruptible? Or are you just living for a coat? Rip it off. Because without that coat that's holding you back, you now experience freedom. You now experience the presence of God. Your heart is now interruptible. And it's not a one-time thing. This is a daily process. Get rid of those stinking garments and put on his righteousness. See, God will use whatever he can to get your coat off of you. He will interrupt your life so that you can walk in your true identity and receive your true inheritance. Are you willing to trust Jesus that his plan for your life is better than your plan? That West Edmonton Mall is better than 
taking pictures of squirrels. See, your coat limits God, but his coat of right standing is limitless. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived the plans that God has for you, for those that love him. And he's given you a dream. So stop trying to hold on to it and control it and release it with open hands back to him. Live with an interruptible heart so you can walk in your identity and you can receive your inheritance. The interruption reveals your inheritance. So the next time he interrupts your heart, remember that. Don't try to control what he's trying to interrupt. Would you stand with me? We're going to respond to what God's spoken here today. It's Palm Sunday, once again, in your heart. And the king is riding into Jerusalem, into your heart. He's trying to. Except now, (laughs) you know the bigger picture. You know the grander plan. And I would just ask as we sing this song, All Hail King Jesus, that you, you let your heart respond in this moment to your king. I want to hear some shouts of praise in this place today. I want to hear some hearts being set free, some coats being off. I want to hear a desperation for the victory into his eternal occupation, not just your small-minded Roman occupation. He's doing something so much bigger, so much wider. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Open up the ancient doors wider. Our hearts have to open up wider. That doorway is too small. Our hearts have to open up wider. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Let's sing this out with everything you've got today. Let's respond to him with open hearts. A few years ago, my wife and I uh, probably stole a parenting trick from some other people. I don't know even who it was, but we taught our children this um, this thing. And I love it. It's been so great in our household. You can you can steal it if you want to. That when my wife and I are talking to somebody, that we just ask our children instead of interrupting us, just come and put your hand on mom or dad. And then when we're done with our conversation, we'll turn to you and acknowledge you. And it's been such a great tool, and our kids do it so well, just like Bennett's doing right here, right now. But I thought about this the other day. See, Jesus doesn't force us. He wants us to give all of our heart to him. And the Holy Spirit right now is just like my son. He's got his hand on your shoulder. And he's prompting you to turn to him. The question is, is your heart interruptible enough to turn? Because let me tell you something, he's always got his hand there. He always wants to tell you something. Your father, God, is desperate for you to turn. He created you in his image. He wants to have conversations with you. It's not about religion. It's not about the duty. It's not about 
reading this or that. It's about the desire to turn, to turn towards the love that's there. Would you pray with me? Why don't you just open up your hands this morning as a sign of surrender to what Jesus wants to do in your heart in this moment. Because the Spirit of God has his hand on your shoulder and he wants you to turn. Will you be interruptible? He's telling you things right now that you need to do to step forward in, to take off that coat. He's here. Holy Spirit, we release control to you. Would you blow in this place? Would you move in this people, God? Would you show them the love of the Father that that you have for these sons and daughters? We welcome your gentle touch, your nudge. You're pushing us forward, but not forcing us. God, you want us to step into this relationship deeper and wider and longer and higher. That's your love for us, Holy Spirit. So we acknowledge your hand on our shoulder. We acknowledge that you're interrupting our lives and we release control. Our hearts have heard you say, come and talk with me. And our hearts respond, Lord, we are coming. We are turning. We are listening. We thank you for the interruptions. We thank you for the coats that are being dropped in this place today. Whether the enemy has ripped them off of us or whether we need to take them off ourselves, whether it's been our short-sightedness to not see with a bigger picture of what you're doing, the eternal occupation of our hearts. God, we just release that to you this morning. Jesus died for your brokenness. He died for your jealousy. He was murdered for your negativity. Take that coat off. He was pierced for your anger and your bitterness. He was murdered for your lust that you're walking in. Take that coat off. He was sacrificed for your complacency and mediocrity. He was brutalized for your judgment and your religion. And he just wants you to turn once again to him in this moment. Whatever your coat is, thank God that he's removing it, that you're removing it. And that you can step into an inheritance because of the interruption. That you have a new identity because of the interruption. Somebody needs to know here today that victory is won in your situation. Victory has already been won. It's already been finished. You just need to walk in your identity. You just need to walk towards your inheritance. God's just trying to use that Roman occupation to expose your heart, to have those conversations with him. And so, God, we declare this today that what the enemy is meant for evil, you are using for good in our lives. We know that what he's using for destruction is being used by you for destiny for us. And we, we, we proclaim, we declare this morning that we will walk into our identity of righteousness, of right standing with you, that we have an inheritance that's far greater than any coat, than any earthly coat can mean to us. And so, God, we thank you for the pain because it's because of the promise that we're walking towards. 
in every heart, turning towards him, every heart in this place, declared it with one voice and said, let it be so, absolutely, amen today, Jesus.